All right, howdy. Welcome back to Windley Mania, the greatest podcast you never heard of, brought to you by the greatest band you never heard of, that band being Windley. You have to follow at Windley underscore band for all the stuff that goes on in the world of Windley. I'm the best in the world, Andrew Reidner, and this week we were joined by Jade Koth, our good friend Jade Koth. We met him last year when we were on tour with Bay Street and Bozo. Jade is currently the drummer of Bozo down there in Florida. He also does his uh, solo hip-hop stuff where he goes by Jade Koth. And, uh, you know, he's done a lot of stuff over the past few decades. and <laughs> Decades, people, decades. And, uh, you know, he's done some wrestling. He's toured with some other bands. Um he, 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 he was a composer on a feature film, and uh, we, we really just get into that. We talk about it. We have a good time catching up. So uh, I'm just going to leave it to uh, the conversation we had a few weeks ago. So uh, sit back and relax and enjoy. Jade Koth. What up? How you doing, sir? Chilling, man. Chilling. How you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. It's uh, good to talk to you again after, well, we talked to each other last week and we <laughs> yeah. it was a very long evening of uh, stories and whatnot. Oh, no. I but feel like every... Now we're going to do it again for real. Yeah, this is the real <laughs> thing. Every phone call is like a podcast, so this is appropriate. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I met you, what year was that? Do you remember? It was 2022? Well, it was last year? Last year, almost to the day. It, Feels like a long time ago. I know. I feel like, like we really. go back. <laughs> <laughs> we got videos together and memories and stories. Yeah. Mainly videos that you took. To make it easier to remember online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the uh the Greenville, the art gallery where I got to watch Bozo play. It was a you remember all the all the people there watching oh, yeah. the punk rock show? It was a packed a packed art gallery. Yeah. There was definitely not a like at least five other shows going on that same night with uh, all the other actual local bands. Yeah, on the same block. From the area, yeah. I mean, we're from much. out of town. We didn't know no better. So. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like Greenville's, like, especially this past year, like, as far as I know, just being, you know, um, you know, in Myrtle Beach, like, their hardcore scene has really, like, uh, flourished. They got a lot of cool shit going on, but um, even in the last year, it, I've noticed that just no, yeah, yeah, being tapped in. Yeah, there was definitely some other bands where we they were like, we we were taking notice of like, oh yeah, they're doing stuff that's cool. But uh, man, where to? I kind of wanted to start with uh, your uncle oh, because shit. that's a that that's a big that's a big thing when it comes to your identity. I mean, really, even with your name, yeah. So if you want to explain that and your relationship and maybe some of the stuff he showed you, kind of how it like molded who you are today. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Well, my uncle, my uncle Joe, when I was a kid, he was 20 years older than me. So he was always kind of like the cool uncle. You know what I mean? Uh, he uh, played in bands. He was kind of like a bass for hire. Um, he played with a lot of a lot of cool bands like Bands that, uh, not that I don't fuck with, but just bands like, like uh, he used to drive for Head P.E. Uh, he used to do stuff with Seven Dust and stuff. Um, he would come up, he was in Port St. Lucie, and he would come up to where I live 
bring tab books, bring merch, bring CDs, bring stickers. Um, he kind of put me on when I was in bands in high school and stuff. He would come up and uh, come to our shows, give us pointers. He recorded a couple of our tracks, which is pretty cool. And he uh, passed away in 2010. He uh, had asthma and he basically coughed himself into cardiac arrest uh, at 40 years old. And uh, when he passed, it was pretty heavy, not just for me, but for the family. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to kind of preserve his legacy. He played in a one-man band called Kings of the Highway. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of keep that legacy alive without stepping on no toes, without overshadowing, nothing like that. He played in like a, it's like a Southern Gothic acoustic kind of thing it's a lot different than what i'm doing now so i didn't want to be like the new kings of the highway or kings 2.0 so the name jade Koth actually comes from him jade standing for joseph anthony derice experience and then Koth, kings of the highway so um people don't know when they pop for jade Koth that they're actually popping for <laughs> uncle joe <laughs> yeah know? that's awesome that's an awesome uh tribute oh yeah no and it's cool I, I i don't lose sight of it from time to time but i i, I do have to remind myself because it's been uh probably it's creeping up on 13 years since he's passed and uh you know this particular project the jade cod project has um lasted just as long and it's gone through different transitions and different looks and different rebrands but it's it's ultimately stayed true to the origin of of why it began keeps me sub subconsciously motivated you know yeah if if yeah. they are watching down on us you know i don't want to disappoint nobody you know what i'm saying oh, so yeah, yeah. you know that's a, that's a that's a thing i i think about with like dead relatives like <laughs> i'm like when i'm doing stuff cool and it's like oh man i'd be cool that'd be cool to talk about this with oh yeah old so-and-so but then it's like i'll never be able to do that but then when i fuck up like insanely bad i'm like oh they definitely know yeah, about this yeah, bro. They're, 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 for sure. they're like, i feel i'm like right on my neck and it's like uh, well it sounds kind of corny but you know people be like oh if you could have lunch with anybody dead or alive who would it be and there's a lot of historical figures and a lot of you know musicians and athletes and Dude, if I could just get together with Uncle Joe and just pick his brain, see what he's thought about the last 13 years. Shit, there's music I discovered and stuff after he passed and stuff that, uh, you know, does he fuck with this? Has he ever heard? Would he have liked it? There's uh, we used to do like those uh, like Columbia Music magazines back in the day. And I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember those like you would get like a catalog basically of albums and you would. Order. Like basically yeah. put a money order in the mail and get CDs uh, weeks mm -hmm. later. And uh, yeah. he used to do that. And there's a lot of shit. Random bands. Like I said, I don't know if he likes them or not, but there's a lot of shit I found in that stack uh, after he passed. And a, and a couple things I really, I really fuck with. And uh, yeah. I don't know if we got the albums because he listened to them and was like, oh, this sucks and gave it to us. <laughs> or if he was like, this is the shit check this out but uh there's a, a a stack of cds we got random shit random sh urge overkill and the point and shit i probably would have never discovered on my own but uh i definitely fuck with but same shit i'm like does he like this or am i thinking of uncle joe when i listen to this band and he's up there going god these fucking guys suck yeah <laughs> <laughs> like damn yeah uh, that's another thing like that we've talked about like you you have a very eclectic taste as far as uh, what you enjoy listening to. Um, was it just mainly your uncle, or is there anyone else in your family 
kind of like showing you stuff or like what the whole family honestly um they do it low key kind of like i got an uncle mike and my aunt jen in new york they got a, a basement it's all carpet proof guitars all over the wall recording equipment my uncle mike fucking sweeps on the guitar and he's like a really good drummer and stuff like that my aunt plays uh their kids my cousin heather was tapped into the metal scene for a while she was torn with like fit for an autopsy and a couple of these other bands my mom's side there's singers and thespians and a lot of them got to a point where it became a hobby and you know they got kids and businesses and work and things like that but they still play my immediate family honestly put me on to a lot of shit too because i got a brother and a sister and then my parents too they all have like their own avenue for music you know my pops is really into like 50s 60s your beatles your zeppelins your doors my mom's real like 80s 90s she put me on to a lot of shit like docking and like fucking skid row and you know shit like alice in chains and stuff and then my brother's five years older than me so he was putting me on the shit like bone thugs <laughs> you know what i mean and like same with my sister you know she she's probably got a more eclectic palette than I got. She listens to some crazy shit, but she's put me on to a lot of shit too. So like, it's cool. It keeps it fresh. Even nowadays, man, you know, like my playlist, it's like plurable. Who's like crazy. I call them organized chaos. It's like experimental hip hop shit. I've been listening to the, to gym shorts, which is like some cool rock punk shit. Um, locate S one. It's a little more trippy. Um, it's not really genre based. It's, it's, it's more, I guess, artist based. Yeah, it's a lot of different sounds, which is cool. A lot of different things influence this <laughs> that you get to <laughs> that you get to experience right now. Yeah. So, your first tour uh, was with Street Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Street Justice guys. <laughs> what, can you describe your first time on uh, as the King of the Highway? Uh, can you describe yes. your first time on the highway with a band? How old were you? Were you still? I was in high around school. Around 15 or? No, nah, no, nah, I was okay. maybe as, I think I was a senior in high school. There was a couple different bands. Like where I'm at, there's maybe three or four schools in the district. And each school had like their own sound and their own scene. And it was cool because we would play a place and you would get a band from each high school to come out. And, you know, it's like a, a minimal a thousand people uh, yeah. in each school. So we the shows were fucking really cool and really heavy draws and like really fun. And, uh, there was a couple bands that came out of that scene, but each band would like kind of share. My band would break up. The bass player from this band would play with the guitar player from this band. That band would break up. The singer would join this band. And uh, I got lucky with Street Justice because there was a lot of heavy hitters in the scene. My boy Mike Case bolt on drums. Webb, Heavy Jerry, who was the fucking yeah. the captain of the heavy ship. Uh, you know, my boy Ryan was on vocals. Uh, my boy Matt would fill in on bass. Sometimes I would jump to drums. My boy Stephen Wright would sell us merch. It was like a nice family. I feel like, not to sound selfish, but all the best elements of like the local scene that we had joined this. And this band. is uh, that was Beverly Hills as well. Yeah, I'm I'm from a town called Beverly Hills, Florida. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sounds tight. It's a shithole. If you like meth and farming. <laughs> and this is the place for you. Yeah. And apparently a crop of like bro hardcore bands. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. we was really, well, I was uh, playing with, with a bunch of different bands and it was, uh, 
we'll say the mid 2000s, not to timestamp the world, but uh, everything uh, was like bright colors and like motherfuckers was wearing, you know, bandanas and eyeliner and teeth, <laughs> hair and shit. And it wasn't really my style. So uh, we went to go see this band called Thick as Blood from Miami. And I remember being at this show and just seeing like these seven dudes in like fitted hats and like b-ball shorts just destroying shit people were going nuts fights were breaking out and i was like oh hell yeah <laughs> this is this is what i need in my life you know what i mean yeah and yeah the area itself sucks and there's nothing to do and uh, restaurants and everything closes by like 10 out here but for th- what it was in the area that we were in there was photographers there was fucking guitar players there was really talented skateboarders there was all types of really like talented people that that made this place probably a little more fun than it should have been mm. yeah I, I watched i was scouring your uh your youtube channel jade Koth tv uh, and TV. i came across I, yeah i think you had like a uh a street justice video on there Oh, and it was yeah. fairly entertaining, just the band playing on like by like a storage unit, and then it would cut to the band and also some other people just shouting. Yeah, dude. And uh, Go, yeah. like how you was originally, I think we were asking how was your first tour, but it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, leading yeah. to that, I swear. But uh, yeah. that first that band, Street Justice, our drummer was at Full Sail, and he had a project to do. Uh, like make a four minute short film or whatever. So he decided to make us a music video and we were on this soundstage and we had, you know, the mics and the cameras and he had the crew and uh, it was a cool experience. But then when we got the video back, it was kind of cringy. You know what I mean? Like, like the, yeah, the shots were good (laughs) and uh, the lighting and, and then the song was cool. But none of us had ever shot a video before, so we was kind of timid. You could tell we was we had cinder blocks on our feet and shit. Like nobody was really I don't know, uh, man. into it. It made me want to. It made me want to crush a Nas energy yeah. and watch and watch Family Guy at three in the morning. Uh, that's basically what what fueled that <laughs> band. To be totally honest, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not much the energy. Maybe a little bit of like like we were drinking Ice House and shit back. <laughs> <laughs> But definitely some family guys, some ice house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dirt bikes of some variety. Oh, uh, yeah. I always laugh because that line in that video, it's, my boy Ryan said, this is not the end of us. That band broke up like six months after that song came out. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up going on tour with Recon and Thick as Blood. I think I was a senior and uh, I had to get homework for two weeks. Which is kind of funny because we're going from show to show and, and Webb was a senior too. Webb and I graduated the same year and uh, we would be in the van doing our homework type shit in between gigs and then go out and play and then chill and then go back into the van, smash out some homework. This was back in, um, shit, 2007. So it was like pre-smartphones. Uh, you know, there was like one dude in the crew that had a laptop. You could pull up, check your MySpace and shit. It was a different time. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the stuff I learned from that tour fucking almost 15 years ago is like shit we still apply to today. There's a little more accessibility. There's a little more entertainment while you're stuck in the van. You know, there's a little more technology that comes with it. But all the essential elements of booking, networking, getting to shows. Helping the bozo boys with their homework. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's shit that you know, it, it's shit that's not much different than what it was, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah that was a cool experience that opened up a lot of cool doors just musically but same shit when street justice broke up uh it was hard to to get a, like a group of people together to to jam you know and i i had some jams with a couple of homies i had some like startup bands that never really did nothing and that's essentially how i uh became jade Koth. like i went a couple years like just bouncing from like trying to play drums in this band or let me play bass with these guys or and it didn't really work out so i ended up getting beats and just writing being, being a one-man band yeah, yeah the uh the change into uh hip-hop i've been rapping uh since i was a kid there was um this dude out here that would rap and uh, i would run the boards for him and stuff like that and we'd be on like old fruity loops and shit like that that's kind of what kind of i've always liked hip-hop and rap music but working with that guy kind of got me tapped into working in the studio and then one day they needed a verse on something and i got on the mic the rest is history <laughs> right on cool yeah. Yeah, but that's when you decided to uh, kind of focus more energy into it after that first band stopped. Yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. Street J broke up probably in like 08, and then my uncle uh -huh. passed in 2010. So it kind of okay. gave me a little more, um, I guess, incentive or uh, more want to do it. Because uh, my uncle, when he passed, he passed on November 22nd, 2010. And uh, we went up to my grandmother's house to do a little service and stuff and see some family and shit and on his desk was a song can't remember the name of the cut it was like christmas time or some shit like that but it was dated from the 22nd so he actually had gone to the studio that day recorded some bass lines on this track came home passed away and then mm. so he left us literally the day he died he left us with something in it the track's like he did a lot of music and he has a lot of bangers. I, I wouldn't say it's the best track he put out, but uh, the context of it is like, it's like a Christmas joint. So it's about like family getting together and call up that motherfucker you ain't seen in a while and let's smile and be happy. So they, uh, asked, did what he did. So when uh, he passed and then I had a, a moniker, so to speak, because I had a couple different names that I would rap under and stuff back in the day. Um, if you dig deep enough, you'll find it. <laughs> no don't worry i got some nicknames written down oh no <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna get to the bottom of it oh uh, no i wouldn't expect anything <laughs> less from a journalist like yeah. you andrew I, well i don't know how obscure they are i just i i would like to read one and then i want to see your eyes kind of pop like oh my god oh, but maybe, i don't know if that's gonna happen but oh shit um there's another side to uh the jade koth experience uh, we were talking about your music stuff, but around that same time in 2008, that's when you got into uh, backyard wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. How did, how did you get wrapped up into to that? Did I, uh, I know my boy narrow shout out to Jeff narrow. Uh, not to that Jeff narrow, but my boy, Jeff narrow, uh, yeah. <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> We we were in school and we would always put on these like mock matches and we had these gimmicks and characters and uh, we did efeds and shit. Do you remember those things? Is that before yeah. your time? I'm I'm aware of what they are, but I never participated in it. I that, that was a little too far off into the uh, 
that's the nerdy bullshit. I have a I have a line that I I try not to cross. Oh yeah, no, and, and I as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, we would write storylines. We'd have the gimmick. I was like fucking multi time world title holder. <laughs> I was the yeah. man. I was I was running E Feds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's something that I always rocked with wrestling in general, and. uh Man, I don't remember how we linked up with this cat, yo. I don't even want to say his name. He sucks. Uh, but he had a ring, and uh, we ended mm, up just going okay. out there and training. He had like this property on some cow fields. You know, there was like fifteen of us that would go out and we would train and we would put our gimmicks together. And we actually ran a couple of shows, which were pretty fun, and and they drew pretty decent too for some just like hole in the wall, middle of the cow field kind of setup. And then that actually spawned into working with this other guy who had his company. When I will gladly mention names because I, I I'll bury people. I, don't, I, don't I know, and this kid is not like a threat or nothing. Because no, 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 a couple of years ago, uh, I was at an NXT taping, and uh, my buddy was like, "Yo, you gotta meet this guy. He's trying to put together this company." Da 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 da. And I was like, "Bet y'all come over at intermission." And then intermission hit and I go to walk over. I get like 20 feet away and it's that guy. We'll call him Grimace. The guy with the ring or the guy? The the guy with the okay. ring who sucks. We'll call him Grimace. Uh, Grimace. He wore this purple singlet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that actually kind of led uh, into kind of getting tapped into the indies a little bit. I guess the yeah. backyard didn't really lead getting tapped into the indies. Well, I guess uh, during the backyard was was Nero like training you? We we kind of t- trained together. Uh, okay. Big shout out to this guy Ryan. They call him Tiny out here. Um, Tiny actually gave us the training. He took us oh, to okay. showed us rolls, showed us bumps, took us to the chop shop, showed us basic you know tie ups, headlocks, hit the ropes, um, shit that we kind of already knew. But uh, this dude was legit. Yeah. I'm at a TNA taping. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're standing in line. And the way the Impact Zone used to work in, in Orlando, it was like a first-come, first-served basis. So you print up tickets, you go to Universal Studios, you wait in line all day, and then a TNA security guy walks you through the park, takes you to the soundstage, and then you're at the Impact Zone. They would um just walk you in. But sometimes we'd be out there from, like, noon. And a pay-per-view wouldn't start till like eight, nine o'clock. You know what I mean? So we'd be outside, we'd be chilling. A lot of regulars would come out. You'd see the same faces at the taping. So after a while, you just get to know these people. I'm standing in line one day and this kid walks in and he's dressed to the nines. He's got a fedora on, it's a three-piece <laughs> suit. You know, he's got TNA world title. And when I say kid, I'm talking about like this kid's like seven. And yeah. uh, I'm probably 21, 22 at the time. And uh, I'm in line and I catch eyes with this kid and this kid just shoots me like this ice grill right back to me. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no. And I look at this kid and I'm like, I'm going to take your title, little kid. And this kid starts cutting a promo (laughs) on me. So I start cutting a promo on this kid. Now everybody's looking at us. You got a 20 something year old man pointing his finger, poking this little kid in the chest and shit. (laughs) His mother was there. She uh, she knew what was going on. She was a good sport. I end up verbally executing this little kid. <laughs> and uh, I end up, you know, oh, that's fun. Talk to the mom. Hey, thanks for being a good sport. I like turn around and I get tapped on the shoulder by this guy. And he was like, dude, that's sick. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. You know, I was just fucking around. 
And he's like, oh, I'm actually an indie wrestler. We're doing this show at, in Sanford at this armory. You know, do you want to be my manager? I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, why not? You know what I mean? So yeah. I actually ended up linking up with this guy um, who also sucks. Uh, <laughs> he was a friendly yeah. guy, but he was a shit performer. And uh, the wrestling business, you know what I mean? Like he was he was a nice, <laughs> friendly guy. He wasn't the best performer in the ring and uh, he sold himself like he was. So uh, actually, when he got in the ring and people, he got exposed and uh, yeah, he he didn't last too long. But I worked mm. with this guy on a show uh, in Sanford. A oh my god, why am I drawing a blank? It wasn't an XPW show. P PWF was it Frank Goodman? PWX, yeah, yeah. PW Pro Wrestling Extreme, and uh, yeah. we got on that bill. And uh, like I said, the dude botched his match and uh, he didn't get invited back. But uh, they invited me back, which was pretty neat. Yeah. Wasn't it a three way? Yeah, dude. And uh, the match was going so bad that people in the back. They came uh, out. <laughs> the veterans who dude, were booked for that show. It was kind of like that scene from Ready to Rumble where they all come out from the <laughs> back and kind of hit their finisher on this kid. Yeah. Uh, he was botching shit like hip tosses and stuff like that, like basic ass shit. Halfway through the match, I'm outside, I'm working the crowd. The ref kind of peeks his head through the ropes and he goes, hey, dude, you might want to get out of here. And I'm like, what? And I look up towards the ramp and there's these big ass four or five guys coming down. And I'm like, oh, shit. Boss <laughs> Mahoney and shit, steel chairs, you know what I'm saying? Pink. Take all three guys out. Pink. Pink. Then they picked a homie up who was botching all the moves fucking pick him up, slap the shit out of his chest. He falls down. They grab him by his ears. They fucking <laughs> slam him down. They four post massacred his ass, uh, yeah. took him to the locker room. And, and it was kind of like, like, I guess a learning experience, not necessarily for me, but they sat this man on like well. a bow flex after the show and was like, we did that for your own good. You could really hurt somebody, <laughs> you know, trying to implement a lesson to that, but they beat the shit out of this guy. And the crowd thinks, Oh, yeah. there's a disqualification. This match is out of control, but really they're just beating the shit out of this guy. <laughs> I'm in the crowd like, what's going on? Yeah, no, that was crazy. That was crazy. I, I like wrestling, honestly. Uh, I still to this day watch it and, and, and I still feel the same about it. But, um, you know, it's like they say, don't meet your idols kind of scenario. You know what I mean? Like, I never mm -hmm. really had beef or conflict with too many people uh but you know it was very clicky it was very you know like who you know who you play golf with uh the people that are running the shows are the people that could make or break you as a performer they could blacklist you they could say what they want and if the circle's big enough you know word will get around and uh there's a lot of politics man and i know we've only known each other for a year but you, i know you know i ain't about that shit man <laughs> i'm just yeah. trying to chill yeah told you the one time I'm fucking five foot 10, 150 pounds. You know what I'm saying? There was one time I had an issue with this one guy and, uh, Oh, what was his, what was the big guy? You showed me him, right? That dude, maximum capacity, rest in peace. No, he was tight. Me and him were oh, tight. He was, cool? he was somebody okay. that I worked with. He, he was a cool dude. Max cap actually side tangent, you know, them pages that come up on like Instagram or Facebook. It's like 
top rope of heaven and shit. And they'll give you like okay. old OG wrestlers who have passed away and shit. And they actually posted Max Cap last week. And I was like, damn, that's cool. Oh, wow. Definitely cool. Yeah, they had the picture. He was like 700 pounds, dude. He's in the ring with like two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper and fucking donuts and shit. <laughs> He's <laughs> fucking squishing everybody. Like he was yeah. cool. But there was another dude who wasn't that big who had an issue with something I did. And he could have came up to me and talked to me. You know, I'm sure we could have figured it out. But he came up to me in the locker room with like four or five guys. And all these dudes are like 6'4", 280, 6'7", 300 pounds, 6'2", 200. I'm like, bro, one of you could probably get your point across type shit. You know, I don't know what you're trying to do. Squatting up like that, bringing your entourage to, to confront me. Yeah, that was pretty wild. That was, I could have got my ass whooped, but. I'm a smooth talker, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how you got. That's how you got booked. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so you mentioned balls Mahoney. You want to tell your balls Mahoney story? Was that like kind of like when you were first? Oh yeah, uh, dude. It was either the first or second show. PWX actually booked a lot of cool OGs. Um, Steve Carino, New Jack, uh, Raven, Balls Mahoney, Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, there was a lot of cats I, I I got the privilege to work with. We'll share the locker room with um, Sabu. Not a lot of them were cool, but, um, you know, still cool for the resume, I guess. But uh, it was, I think, my second show on, on the actual professional indies, being a paid professional. And uh, I'm sitting out back with Balls Mahoney. Earlier in the, in the card, there was this match and the stipulation. It was called a two-count tequila match. And when the wrestlers would attempt to get a three count, if the opponent kicked out, the person who went for the pin would have to take a shot of tequila. And, and doing it with shoot tequila, by the way. The real thing, dude. <laughs> for some fucking dumbass reason. Bro, and at first you're like, oh, this is funny. They're taking shots while they're wrestling. But by like the third or fourth shot, yeah. you could tell dudes were getting queasy. The match started to slow down a little bit. They started flinging shots over their shoulder and shit. Like this was real ass vodka. Or real ass tequila. Yeah. And uh that match ends and somehow Balls Mahoney and I are in the back, like outside of the building, just one on one talking, and we got to tequila. And I don't really drink tequila, but you know, balls is passing it to me, so I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll take a couple sips. <laughs> and uh we're just shooting the breeze. He's telling me about thirty plus years in the business, going from the bingo halls to ECW to fucking WWE, you know, and giving me the do's, don'ts, the highs, the lows, just one-on-one. Uh, it was my second show, so I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's see what the future holds, you know? The whole time he was talking to me, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting for my boy. I was like, oh, that's cool, man. Whenever you got to pull away, just let me know. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting for my homie real quick. And then intermission hits, and somebody sticks their head out. They're like, pause, your buddy's here. He's like, oh, I'm going to go see my boy real quick. I'll be right back. And I was like, all right, same. So I'm chilling, and then he actually comes out, sits next to me, and rest in peace, Balls Mahoney. But he said, <laughs> he said, hey, kid, you do somas? And just like the tequila, I don't really do somas, but with Balls Mahoney, you know, I'm like, hell yeah, dude. So he gives me a soma, and we're drinking tequila, and uh, the intermission hits, and he's like, all right, man, I'm going to go see some people. I'll holler at you. I'm like, same. And and Nero, who I was talking about earlier, he wasn't on the bill, but uh, I go out to the parking lot and it's like a movie, yo. Like one of those, hey, you know, you mean no, you first. No, you first. No, you first. He's like, all right, bro. I'm like, what'd you do? He goes, 
bro, I just sold drugs to Paul's Mahoney. <laughs> I'm like, no fucking way. He's like, what'd you do? I'm like, I just did drugs with Paul's Mahoney. And he's like, no fucking way. I'm like, Nero, you're fucking Balls' guy, dude. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. And that, that particular show, we got there early. And mm -hmm. we basically tailgated this PWX event. Like, Balls was outside, New Jack. There was a couple cats. Some people were, like, too Hollywood. They'd wheel their bags in. They'd go sit in a locker room. They'd stay away from people. But there was a couple cats that would come sesh with us. I got some really good home video footage. Uh, uh, just Balls telling stories. Uh, bumming cigarettes off my mind shit. He was smashing out beers and shit before the show even started. And uh, it's some pretty prime footage. I don't know. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> was that the same uh, show where New Jack did your job for you? Yes. Actually, the trifecta. So <laughs> we're trying to cut this promo. The big sales pitch for this promo was we were going live on Canadian IPPV. <laughs> Hell yeah, uh, dude. Uh, Internet exclusive PPV. In glorious 144 Yeah, 480p. You know, like <laughs> yeah. And we actually had the opening promo for the whole show, which was cool. Um, we basically played these losers who bust their ass and we don't get no respect and we're bringing asses for the seats and we're selling tickets and we're drawing people. But, you know, we got to get changed in the stinky old weight room. We want our own locker. You know, give us what we want type shit. So like 20 minutes before the show starts, there was bad rain that day and power went out and stuff like that. Uh, so there was technical issues. So we're already backed up like 20 minutes and they was trying to cut our promo too. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll make it quick. We'll make it quick. Right before we go live, new Jack comes in and he's like, hot. What the fuck's taking so long? Da, da, da. We're like, Oh, there's a camera issue. This and that, you know? And if you know, I know, you know, but if you don't know who new Jack is, he's not a gimmick. He's not a persona. He's not an actor or a character. He's a real scary dude <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> comes in and he's hot and i'm like this is not the guy i want to piss off he's like what's the problem we're like oh we're just waiting for basically the action so we could cut this promo the camera guy goes oh we're ready and new jack's like all right are we rolling guys <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so new jack cuts our promo these guys need a new locker room <laughs> like yeah <laughs> that's the fucking i'm standing behind them i'm in the shop but i'm like damn like I'm not going to interrupt this man. You know, he cuts this like two minute promo and then he yeah. walks off. Uh, it's an honor to have new Jack cut the promo for, and he probably said whatever I was going to say a thousand times more hard, you know, way scarier, more intimidating. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, I don't, you can't do a new Jack promo unless you're new Jack. So that show was crazy. Cause now that I think about it, that show I worked with Sabu that night. We ended up before that show, they're like, you're working with Sabu and I'm all excited, you know, the fucking ECW kid in me is like, no fucking way, dude. Like I go up to Sabu. Hey, what's up, man? I'm Jade. I'm working with you tonight. This motherfucker is nodding out, yo. I'm like, um, you got any ideas for our match or whatever? <laughs> He's like, nah, man, you know, just come get me before we hit the curtain. And I was like, like dumb and dumber. I'm like, all right, big gulps, huh? Yeah. So I dip. The promoter, actually, Frank, was like, dude, you're working with Sabu. We want you to wrap a towel around your head. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know about that, man. And he's like, no, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. I'm like, I don't fucking know about this, man. So I, def I didn't do it for the record. I had a very 
to the point gimmick. I was in some suspenders with an old golf hat and shit. Easy to pick out. You know, I had my look. I'm like, I ain't wearing no fucking like an actual towel around. I'm like, that's so wrong. I'm not doing that. So uh, we get out to the curtain and Sabu's like, hey, man, I need you to find me a wooden table, which would have been vital information four hours earlier before the show started. So we go out to the ring, entrance hits. We do all the poses and shit. These guys start fighting. I'm throwing Sabu chairs. He's hitting leg drops off the top rope. And then he looks at me and he says, hey, kid, go get me a fucking uh, table. Well, actually, before that, because the weather was awful, the, the a lightning hit the armory and the power went out halfway yeah, through yeah. the match. So now we got the security lights on. It's real dark. We got Sabu and Kahagas beating the shit out of each other, following me because we're supposed to do this table spot. So they're beating each other up while I'm walking around this armory looking for a wooden table. We end up doing a full lap around the whole armory, <laughs> and they're kicking each other's ass the whole time. That must have been a long... I mean, the walk realistically was probably only like 20 seconds, but I imagine it felt like 10 oh, hours. Oh, yeah, the whole time. And I'm sweating, and I'm like, what are we going <laughs> to do? Like, we got to change on the fly. So I get in there, and he gets knocked down or something, and I go to, like, check on him, and I whisper, hey, man, there's no fucking wooden table. He starts cursing at me and shit, and I'm like, all right, whatever. So he ends up going outside the ring. They have a couple of sloppy plastic table spots that didn't really look too good. Um, the match ends, and same shit. When we were in the locker room, I'm like, yo, any ideas, any pointers, any certain things you want me to do? He said, no. Now we're in the ring. The match is over. He's hollering at me to come in to raise his hand to do some shit. I'm not doing it right. I was telling you the other day, I actually stumbled upon the, the photograph, dude, because it's an honor to work with Sabu, but we got a picture of he and I in the ring, and you could tell he does not fucking like me, dude. <laughs> He's like, how the fuck did I get paired up with this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, but then after the show, I think I told you too, my boy uh, Gunk, Mark, who does the Coffee and Wrestling podcast, he yes, uh, so right? Jamie, Mark, what up if you're listening? Uh, <laughs> how did I get on the Winley Mania podcast before I got on the Coffee and Wrestling podcast? I don't know. You guys live three miles away from me, Coffee and Wrestling. Wow. Yeah, right? Wow, is right. <laughs> you going to start up your uh, career again? Uh, well, yeah, right? Let me tell you something, <laughs> Coffee and Wrestling. But no, Mark ended up, uh, Mark and my boy Carl show sold Sabu some weed. So Mark was always for the longest, like he felt like he had a, a ribbon, like a gold medal that he had Sabu's phone number in his phone saved as mm. Sabu, like just in his, in his contacts. <laughs> but we were smoking a blunt with Sabu and it was raining that day and we're all outside under this pavilion and we go to pass the joint and Sabu drops it. <laughs> and all at the same time, the whole crew goes, Oh, Sabu, what the fuck? <laughs> like, when are you ever going to get to call Sabu out like that? You know, he was a good sport, yeah, yeah. but he definitely dropped a whole ass blunt in uh, the, in the puddle. Actually, now that I say it out loud, it wasn't probably Sabu's best night. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he got paid, I assume. I don't know. Did you watch? Did you watch the uh, Masked Maniac do a sad, lonely walk to the ATM oh, and get these guys paid? <laughs> that dude, he, and I don't even want to touch on that, man, because, man, I, I'm like, all these wrestling guys that I would, they all suck, yo. There's like a few people that uh, don't suck. And this is a disclaimer. I'm not like a bitter guy who did it and hates everybody. Like, uh, 
Yeah, there's just, it's some, just what the business is. It's, it's the just, truth, man. Know. It's the truth. Yeah. I watched Beyond the Mat when I was a kid, and they had that one promoter that was like, nice guys, finish last. And I'm like, who the fuck's yo, this yeah, nerd, yo? And it's dumb, but it's a real fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That don't mean you got to be a dick to get ahead, but they don't give a shit. I was just trying to play my part. I was just happy to be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I got yeah, my gig. That was only, that whole, that was just one show. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and how long did you work for? I worked like, up until uh, probably about two years on the like the Florida independent circuit, um, which actually has a really cool scene for wrestling in general. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get OG. I mean, there's there's the sketch that you talk about, and sort of like the people you probably don't really want to interact with. But I mean, that's that's a lot of places. But there's still like, yeah, there's. There's a lot of shit going on down there, dude. And like, you know, there's a lot of legends you meet, you know, Larry's Abisco would show up to shows. And like I said, the people that were still working, some of them still work now. This was 10 years ago, give or take, you know, like two cold Scorpio and shit. You know, the, these guys mm-hmm. were, were veterans back then hitting 450 splashes at 45 years old. Some of them are still out there at 55 years old hitting the same 450 and shit. So it's pretty cool. I definitely got to work with a lot of cool people. I got to meet a lot of cool people, the Dudleys and shit like that would drop in at shows to do like talent scouts and shit like that. Um, got to like take pictures with kids and stuff. You know what I mean? They didn't know who the fuck I was, but they saw me in the ring. They're like, yo, mister. It's like, what up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take a picture for you, young blood. Shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, where'd you go after Florida? Uh, I went to St. Louis and uh, I went up there actually for a steward job. Oh, okay. But while I was up there, there was the same thing. It wasn't as tapped in as like Florida was, but there was a big community up there in Illinois and mm-hmm. in um in Missouri and stuff like that. Um, I did one show with St. Louis Anarchy, which was pretty cool. Oh, um, is that that's uh, the other the other Matt Jackson? Did you run into him? Was he? No, nah, but there's a couple oh, okay. cats from that one. Like ACH was on that bill. Uh, Darren Corbin was on that. I don't know if you know him. He's fucking hilarious a familiar name right well i always felt bad because when baron corbin got signed i'm like what the fuck don't they know darren (laughs) corbin exists but they actually had like some twitter thing where they were working off it which is pretty cool so darren corbin still to this day he's a good follow his whole thing was keep wrestling fun so uh he had like a lot of shtick in his matches but it wasn't like overkill it was the opposite of what I've been talking about for the last 15 minutes like it wasn't politics it wasn't drama it was more about making people laugh or giving them something to remember and talk about and indie shtick shit like slow motion moves invisible opponents yeah, and shit like that yeah i know that's the that's sort of the opposite of my my uh my preferences but i i people like it and i understand oh yeah <laughs> it's uh, fun <laughs> from a wrestling standpoint i wonder how uh I'm no fun, Andy. Yeah, uh, no fun, Andy. <laughs> yeah, no. If it was my way, dudes would just come out down to the fucking ramp, black trunks, and just yeah, no, no knee pads, other. just fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Holes, just go down there. And- moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm the opposite. I want a fucking spot fest. I want some yeah. fu- fucking Karanas. I want some fucking chair shots. I want, <laughs> I want fucking gimmicks and outlandish care like. My boy Nero actually, he used to give me shit because he'd be like, "You have all these mid carters," and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" You know, my top five. Like, who's your Mount Rushmore? And it'd be like, "Fucking Shark Boy, fucking, Shark Boy. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Hurricane Helms, 
fucking Raven. Like he's like, dude, why do you like all these fucking guys? And I'm like, dude, something about him, dude. You know, I mean, it makes sense. I, I can, you know, based off of your personality, I, you gravitating, gravitating towards like those guys. That's completely understandable. You know? Oh yeah. No, I'm not, not a bad thing at all. It's just, I've learned how to digest. <laughs> uh, Wrestling was wild, man. Yeah. I always say, man, I could roll out of bed with the flu and write a song. You know, if you got even like the slightest headache, <laughs> you don't want to take bumps, dude. You don't want to fucking go. It's rough, man. It's a little, I've done shows sick as fuck. Like, like hip hop shows and stuff, dying, like come off the fucking out the car, dying, hit the yeah. mic for 30 minutes, go back in the car and die. You know what I mean? Like it can be done, but not uh, what I prefer to do. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> I guess you just stopped with the wrestling and focused more so on the, yeah. the music. I had one of those Bill Goldberg moments where like, I just wanted to wrestle and like maybe it was 2017 i'm like i got homies that have never seen me wrestle before and uh i actually got in with they had a rebrand recently atomic revolutionary wrestling with, oh the alex red yeah alex red okay. um i did a, a couple shows with them which was pretty cool and uh but honestly i remember the first bump i took dude i was like my teeth rattled and shit i was like fuck this dude like <laughs> oh yeah 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 you know it's not like i said it's not something you could get up off i mean and i was working out and i was training and shit before that moment but i remember like blood's pumping adrenaline going ding 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 first move i hit i was like oh man <laughs> like <laughs> like i got to take any prior like uh, leading up to it no 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 it just, we did but we did? I, I would okay. like chalk it to like because you can't fake gravity, you know what I mean? So even if you're, like, scrimmaging in the ring, you're still falling, you're still landing, you're still planting. But, um, you know, it'd be like rehearsing, you know, with Winley in a storage unit and playing with Winley on stage. Like, you might get the same songs, but you're going to get two different energies doing it. And, yeah, I remember I just, like, took that first bump and was like, damn, I don't know about mm. this. And uh, luckily it was a battle royal, so I just hung out on the bottom rope for, like, five minutes. <laughs> Yeah. And then got back yeah. up and got slammed again and rolled down to the <laughs> bottom. They actually said, yo, we need you to stay in because we're going to do this spot where like four people get eliminated back to back to back to back. And then somebody gets thrown over the top and you four need to catch them. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I get to be a part of a spot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm all excited. Got my girl ringside and shit, you know, and uh, everybody that was supposed to be part of the spot ended up falling out of the ring before the spot was supposed to happen. So I look around and I'm like, damn, I'm the only person in the ring. There was like <laughs> 10 people in the ring still, but I'm like, damn, like I definitely ain't supposed to be in here this long. I ended up fucking getting tossed out. Actually, there's a band called Porch Coffin down here and their singer's name's Wolf Taylor. And he was a wrestler and he actually threw my ass basically into the front row. <laughs> <laughs> We've never played with them yet. They're from Central Florida. Uh, but I always tell them like they don't book us because he, he knows I'm coming back. He knows I'm coming for my revenge. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I threw him out of the ring 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> right. And the footage is funny, dude, because you even hear yeah. I, I hit like a ah! before. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> before well, I not, not to mention not to mention beforehand where I imagine you. You missed your spot. You're looking a little lost and you're just like, someone, please get me the fuck out of here. By the time there's 10 people left, we're talking guys who are potentially supposed to win this match. So everybody's big. 
And I mm. get up off this rope and I kick this guy and he turns around. It's fucking CJ O'Doyle. And I'm like, oh, shit, this guy's six, four, two eighty. Big motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Right, so I'm stomping him. He's no selling it. Next thing you know, he fucking gets me up, hits me with this shoulder breaker. And now I'm all fucked up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then I get up. This other dude started whooping my ass. And then I remember laying there and then I tapped that guy Wolf on his foot. I said, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked and the footage is funny because you could tell he looks down sees me and then like oh okay so he grabs me and he just chucked my ass out of the ring but i'm still playing dead outside of the ring they go through with the spot and they throw the guy out the only person on the outside of the ring to catch the guy is me so <laughs> i'm like damn this was all bad dude this was uh yeah. it was First a fun experience bad. and uh yeah. working with with that company was cool too because Alex must be tapped in with some, I think he did like security work or like ring crew for TNA. Oh, so okay. there was a couple cats that, that I got to work with like Gangrel or Sanjay Dutt or, you know, Jesse Neal. He really, he's tapped in though. He always has stacked lineups for his shows. He's always got like awesome special guests. And there's a term for that, but we won't get into it. Oh my God. <laughs> what is it? Educate me. <laughs> well, there's some people who might call, uh, you know, people with that situation a money mark promoter. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, it, well, I'm sold, baby. <laughs> Once again, you're like, also the part of wrestling that I don't see. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Um, Before this interview started, you're like, oh, yeah, Jade, he's cool. He's like my wrestling boy. And then after this interview, you're going to be like, actually, we don't really see eye to eye on. Oh, it. no. It's like, <laughs> you know, I go. I like my specific things and I, I enjoy talking to people with who like their specific things. I mean, Oh yeah. You know, well, um, we talked about that for a show in Greenville, but we, we skipped over that part where I saw you with oh. your new Japan jacket. And I was like, Oh shit, a wrestling fan. And I threw up the two sweet for everybody that's listening right now. He's he'll say he didn't. I threw up the two sweet and this motherfucker rolled his eyes. Like, oh no, it's day one of tour. I'm like, oh shit, this is going well. Well, it's just, uh, I, I didn't, I surely did not mean to actually roll my eyes if, or I did, I don't, I don't remember, but, uh, that's what somebody who rolled their eyes would say. (laughs) It's just sort of like the, the awkward, uh, situations that wearing, you know, any, article of clothing that has something to do with wrestling has brought me into where you know i'll be in a food lion and i'll be there a half hour longer than i wanted to be because some guy <laughs> is like hey do you remember macho man and it's like yeah dude i remember macho man yeah so, yeah no that's why you so, got i tell them my my mount rushmore and then they just fuck off they're like i don't <laughs> shark boy what daniels i don't know any of these guys i could probably do mine too and they would be the the, the same reaction like, i don't so. i don't okay i guess yeah. see ya <laughs> like yeah. yep i just got yeah. a pander like who you like i'm like i like christopher daniels and they're like who else and i'm like I like Jay Lethal. And they're like, well, I don't know him either. Who I'm like, well, I like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know oh, him. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I knew we was going to be tight, though. I knew we was going to be tight. Yeah. By uh, day. Well, how long have we been? By day 348, I've won you over. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
It was, it was probably more like uh, whenever we were in Winston-Salem. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Savas. That was a night we all got drunk and we all kind of let loose. We all played like really not improv sets, but I know Bozo was throwing songs we don't normally play into the set and we didn't really give a fuck if we was sounding good or not. We were all pretty drunk, but uh, if there was ever a bonding moment on that last tour, it definitely was that you can. Let, oh, no, that was probably my favorite show. I was going to say you can honestly. let draws like that deter you, yeah. but that ended up being and the photos Brooke got, too. I didn't get like drunk that tour, but that particular show. Uh, glasses was like fogged up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shirt got stains on it and shit. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> They're fire pictures. We all look like we love each other, but also uh, very inebriated. <laughs> I think you guys might. I don't know if you said it on on your podcast when you got back from tour, but that bartender, uh, an eccentric one, uh, a fun one, it's like a Mayan warrior. Yeah, real like yeah. native headdress. Uh, and I know, and I know your drummer, Connor, probably drank 50 bucks worth of liquor. I know I probably oh, yeah. drank like 40 bucks worth of liquor. I know my bar tab at the end of the night was like $2.68. Yeah. Connor's was like five bucks, you know, so yeah. they were looking out for us, you know. They, we all we all uh, cashed out at the same time and or, uh, or closed out at the same time. And it was just like $2.00. And me with the fucking thirty dollars. I'm like, oh, I see. And then Two dollars for yeah, God. Like, oh, real. They had, I'm not Twinkie enough. I was gonna say they had a type, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, they said, oh, Jay, that, that twin, <laughs> Twinkie, <enough." laughs> that Twink effect, you know, yeah. that I radiate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't even remember where we were. So, I know we're gonna have to cut this into a two part. <laughs> <laughs> you get out of the business. Kind of right, yeah. It, it, so what 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 was your first move after that? It honestly kind of worked out because I was doing this flight attendant thing, and I ended up linking up with this dude. I didn't have a car. The Walgreens was probably like three miles away. I needed to get some groceries and shit. I had to walk there, walk back. It was snowing, and I was like, "Man, I'm not about to thumbs up it." But the first like cool person that I see. I'm going to just ask them if I could get a ride. And this dude comes out the fucking door. I was in an apartment complex and he had the fucking parka jacket, the gold <laughs> teeth. He had the St. Louis Cardinals fitted going. I was like, oh, this is my guy. So I tap on his window and I'm like, yo, man, you heading this way? He's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, oh, could I get a lift? He ends up giving me a ride to the Walgreens. I'm like, hey, man, you know where I can get some weed? <laughs> he ends up pulling out a blunt and he's like, yeah, man, when I get back, I'll give you a buzz. We got down, played some 2K. We ended up smoking. Uh, we touched on a subject of like hip hop. We started freestyling. His cousins and shit made beats and stuff like that. Now I had some homies that I could chill with, freestyle with, go to the studio with, write with. And uh, that kind of got me relocked in to the music. Because when I was doing the wrestling, I say 50-50, but it was like a 70 30 or like an 80 20 where i was really committing to the wrestling and i was just kind of writing and reciting on the side uh but when i got to the loo i kind of took it more like 100 percent on the music and then i had cousins from upstate new york they came to missouri we hung out for a week shit fell through in mizzou with the flight job and i was booking this flight and i had this fucking ticket ready to go and i'm like about to come down on the enter button to book this flight 
and the phone rings and it's Eugene and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm going back to Florida. It's not working out here. He's like, yo, dog, come up to New York instead. I was like, damn, I really ain't going back to Florida for nothing. So I'm like, yeah, let me let me go up to New York and see what what it is. And Huge had a studio at his house with the two rooms cut in one with the window for the booth. And he had monitors and shit. And his boys, Cameron and Nate, would make beats and they would rhyme and shit, too. And we put together this mixtape in like a month from like the time I got there to like 28 days later. We recorded these like 12, 13, 14 tracks and we shot these home DIY videos for them and we put this stuff out. And even now, like I always say, it's cringy, but it kind of was that stepping stone to get back into it with a little more legitimacy, uh, a little more backing behind it. Uh, it was fun because I was collaborating with people that I had fun with and that I enjoyed. And uh, that's kind of what set the trajectory of where the Koth project ended up was from them coming to St. Louis, me going back to New York, me staying in New York for like five, six months. And then Gunk, old Mark from Coffee and Wrestling, he was getting married and he asked me to be the best man at his wedding. Him and Jamie were getting married. I came back to Beverly Hills for his wedding and I haven't left, <laughs> you know, but it's, nice. it's worth it. You know, it's not like he had Yankee tickets. The motherfucker was getting married. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> also, and Mark will tell you, they asked for the rings and I fucking didn't have the rings, dude. Like <laughs> Somebody in the room had the rings, which was good. So it didn't really stall the ceremony. So at least, I guess at least she didn't have possession of them and, fucking and lose that, them yeah it was just kind of a miscommunication you know it yeah. was a good laugh you know and because <laughs> i'm i'm friends with his wife too mark and jamie i love them both when they said do you take you know mark to be your husband she said i do <laughs> and i went <laughs> but it was in this open room so it went just disturbance <laughs> And everybody looks and I'm like, Dit. so if Mark tells you about me at his wedding, he'll tell you I forgot the rings. They'll tell you I laughed when they said I do. <laughs> uh, but it was a good wedding. It was a good time. It brought me back. Do they regret uh, they regret inviting you yeah, to fly down. Period. Yeah, period. We could have done this what via a, satellite. <laughs> man, what a nuisance. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Mark and Jamie and I are really tight. Uh, I got a buddy, Pat, that lives out here. When I came back to Florida, I was still kind of riding off that momentum of the caught stuff from New York. So Mark and Jamie actually got with me uh, to kind of almost build like a label. Yeah. Jamie would write these articles and, and they both were really good with like like websites. And then Mark had graphics on deck. We became like a team. Pat would rap. He was a hype guy for the live shows. Mark and Jamie were dead fly radio roll up to the show. You know, like like legit. We had the, the guy who was talking to the promoters. We had the musician. We had the chick selling the merch. Um, We did that for about a year or two. Yeah. A lot of my beats on the Jade Koth page, like 90% of the music that I rhyme over is produced by this guy named YG Hypnos. And uh, we ended up chilling. Uh, it started like a business relationship, you know, getting some weed here and there. <laughs> Freestyling at his house and shit. And then uh, we ended up clicking and... We dropped it. He did all the beats on the Killing Bugs with Hockey Sticks album. And he okay. did all the beats on the Soundball album. He and I have worked together with the Koth stuff since, which is cool because that was probably maybe 2014, maybe 2014. 
then that brought another extra layer to the live shows where we had like a DJ who could cut it up live and he can hit sounds and bring more of a fluent live element to the show rather than just like push and play on an iPod and hoping that nobody unplugs it while you're rapping. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's kind of like the 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 vibe I get from most of the, the cloth music is just, it's fascinating how uh, in your many creative outlets, a lot of your connections are made through either giving or receiving weed. <laughs> you're not lying, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but what, what were you about to say about uh, hypnos? Um, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Okay. The weed. Uh, you had me at weed. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. He would cut the samples live, and he would sit there and build his drums on the spot. And he was always. <laughs> he's just in his room making beats all the time. His style is like what I was looking for. So when I went to his house and he said, hey, these are my beats, check them out. I was like, holy shit, these beats are exactly what I was looking for. This is how I feel or this is the essence I'm trying to put out there. This complements my flow the way I want it to. And uh, he actually tapped me into a real good scene in Orlando out here, a real good hip hop scene, beat makers, lyricists people trading just drum packs to organically work with Deadfly Radio and to organically connect with Patton and YG Hypnos and which organically connected me to what the lo-fi scene out here, the Free Rice Gang and all these people that are making beats. It's it's cool. It's it's something I don't take for granted. Were, was Bozo the first band that you got into in your return to Florida? I would say it's probably the the most cohesive band I've been in probably since Street Justice. Um, oh, wow. Because Street J broke up in 08 and then I started doing the Koth shit pretty much full time in like 2010, 2011. And like I said, I jammed with other bands and stuff like that between then. But Bozo, those dudes are really on their shit, dude. They're, they're, it's cool to be a part of, man. Like I was saying before with Deadfly Radio and with YG Hypnos and there's just, I end up falling into these things and it and it works out, you know, not always, but well, how'd you fall in the bozo? Uh, they reached out to me. Uh, they saw a couple of the cough music videos and they wanted me to shoot some music videos for bozo. So that's how I connected with them. Um, I went to their house, no storyboard, no script. We just got some footage and put some music behind it. Uh, we did that twice for perfect little soldier and lessons learned. Yeah. But I shot those videos for those guys. And then honestly, like maybe a year later, they called me one day and said, Hey, Jade, you play drums, right? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And I guess they have an album online where they recorded with their old drummer and their old drummer's Canadian. So when the pandemic hit and stuff, he couldn't come to and from the States and stuff like that. He was trapped in Canada. Uh, and I guess after months of just like waiting to try to keep shit going, they both all just agreed to like cut ties and, uh, the drummer had quit. And then two hours later, they got a, a message to come play a show in Orlando. So they called me and they're like, Hey man, can you play drums for us on this show? And it's like March 28th. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. How many songs do I got to learn? And they're like, I don't know, 14 like, all right, whatever. It's punk stuff. You know, maybe I'll be able to pick it up. And then I'm like, well, when do you need these 
songs done by and they're like oh our show's april 12th or some shit like that and i'm like that's like two and a half weeks away <laughs> the guys live in a town called mount dora which is about an hour and a half from where i'm at so for like two or three weeks i was going up to mount dora like two or three times a week blasting out these songs we were just playing the set over and over and over and over and over and uh i thought it'd be cool uh like i said i hadn't played drums live in a long time uh i thought it'd be pretty neat to kind of you know brush the dirt off that shit kink off some of the rust we're playing the show and the show's going good you know it's one of our worst shows if you look back on it but uh <laughs> if uh you know halfway through the set Vinny gets on the mic and he's like you know give it up for jade he's he's schmoozing me up oh he learned these songs in like two weeks he's you know helping us out way to go jade and then they both get on a, like a knee and they're like jade will you be our drummer and there's fucking people while they're doing it live at a show i'm like oh i got snickers moment i'm like oh shit <laughs> like uh so of course on the outside i'm like yeah let's fucking go crowds cheering woo, 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 boo. so i dapped out yeah, Vinny, yeah. and i gave him a hug and i said hey man i'm gonna need to talk to you after the show <laughs> Let's fucking go, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking like an old head. I'm like, fuck, dude. They live an hour and a half yeah, away. Right, right. I got full-time job and shit. Like, oh, man, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. And uh, I stuck with it. And it's been fun, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. those dudes being being in a band with those guys. Because I met them through, like, the, the scene or whatever. And then I shot a video for them, like, through business. So... The first like year that I was in the band, we were learning the songs and we were trying to get each other's like musical chemistry down, but we also didn't know each other as people. So like the first about year I was in the band, you know, I was trying to like get to know these guys and uh, hope that would kind of flood into chemistry with the music and playing shows and stuff like that. There is... A little over a decade between my bandmates and I. <laughs> yeah. So just in like a gen gap. A lot more than a decade. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say about a decade. No, it's, it's a little over a decade. I had to get to know them as people. I had to get to understand their humor. And then, uh, you know, a as time went on, we, we they're cool, though, because they're young bloods. But they're and, oh, this is such like an old head thing to say, like they're young bloods, but they're old souls. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. like the old, soul. the old, the old, old soul yeah. line. They uh, like Vinny's Vinny's really influenced by like bands like some 41 or the offspring or, you know, Blink-182 or Jimmy Eat World. He also has a soft spot for like Dire Straits. And like mm -hmm. fucking Derek and the Dominoes and shit. And then Kyle's like on a different avenue. Like he likes his blink and he likes stuff that kind of correlates with what Vinny likes. But then Kyle likes Led Zeppelin and The Doors, The Cure and stuff. So uh, it's neat that at their age, they have that type of influence. Because um, I could relate to it off rip. You know, I lived most of it. Uh, <laughs> so... It's cool to have, yeah, including the doors. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> like, damn, I seen Led Zeppelin's first cut. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, little by little, I've been getting bits and uh, influence so I could be in Bozo at this age. But, um, it's cool because even the new stuff we're writing, like when we toured with you guys last year, we were playing like the straight punk stuff. I love playing it, it's fun to play, it's fun to listen to, it's fun to dance to. But the new stuff. 
is I feel like a lot more them, you know, you're getting mm-hmm. these bluesy walking riffs from Kyle, you know, you're getting these cool, like harmonies, yeah. Vinny singing voices is the best I've ever heard it. You know what I mean? I'm bringing a little heavier drums, a little, a little slower with the beats, uh, without trying to pull too far from Bozo sound. A lot of the new cuts that we're writing are really fun and they're, they're, it's definitely like a progression from the, the last album and not mm-hmm. that the last album's, you know, bad or not as good, but you could tell like as these guys learn and 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 progress and age, it, it reflects on the music. It's tighter. It's a little more mature sound wise. They're still talking about like dicks and pooping and stuff, but musically, <laughs> <laughs> musically, it's really tight. It's really tight. And since we spent the last two years playing another Happy Landing, uh, it's nice to kind of get the three of us to get our sounds together to this is what what this current bozo sound is you're getting that piece of Vinny, you're getting that piece of me you're getting that piece of kyle mm-hmm. and you guys are recording right now yeah we're as well. recording with my boy kevin and cj they played in this band zapachi the, the zapachi's tight Check them out. And they got a band called Arrhythmia now. Two two out of the three guys from Zapachi play with this band Arrhythmia. And I started bringing the camcorder out to their shows and they would like commission me to to film their, their sets. And then a year after I filmed them, now we're in their studio recording Bozo shit. So it all is like intersecting and, and webbed out. And like I said, weird butterfly effect moments. Like if I had not gone to that show and I had not met Noggin, then I wouldn't be filming Zapachi, and if i wasn't filming Zapachi, i wouldn't be recording in his studio and the community element of it is what i really dig the most out of it you know like shows are fun and and making money's cool and selling merch is neat and like going back to when we went on tour and stuff it's like with with the first day i met you and i threw you that too sweet brother (laughs) (laughs) you know i didn't know how the rest of the tour was gonna go and then by the time you know day 13 we're in jacksonville and you know, it's like, oh, I love you guys. Get home safe. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I've known these guys less than two weeks, but I'd take a bullet for Winley, you know? <laughs> wow. I'm not even sure if I would take one for Winley, but, uh, yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah, we have to call you. Yeah, dude. Uh, like, hey, don't shoot yet. Wait another like eight hours. This guy's yeah. going to come and he's going to save our lives. Like, I've always wanted yeah. to be part of the shield. That's not exactly what I was talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone through a lot, man. Um, the, I don't really have to recap it, but it's a lot of shit that, uh, you've done over the years it's wild it makes me yeah. feel accomplished so no, i was kidding <laughs> well well i want to ask like what else do you hope to uh hope to do i mean you you've done a lot but i mean what what else is uh what else is next for old jade koth trip because your timing too is wild like i said i appreciate you having me on and asking me because uh you know i get shit that comes up on my memories and stuff and and some of the shit's old you know it's like remember when you did that show in tampa 15 years ago and i'm like wow you know like that's a long time ago and i think about all the people that i've played with or that i've recorded with or that i've jammed with or that we've shared bills with and like i was saying with the tour then and the tour from 2007 like there's still a magic there's still a feeling there's still an aura that exists that shows 
and that's probably what keeps me coming back because because that 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 community element is what kind of keeps me driven i'm trying to figure out like (laughs) retirement plans you know Mm. we don't got no 401k we don't got musicians insurance and stuff uh, well, you're getting up there. That's where it's a real thing, dude. So uh, not that I can't rock shows throughout my 30s or throughout my 40s and stuff. Uh, but I, I'm trying to figure out ways to still be tapped in, to still be able to to help the community, to help other bands, uh, whether it be through graphic work or making flyers or printing up shirts or filming for people and stuff like that. Like. I know I'm going to try to find my way into something because I do a little bit of all of that. You know what I mean? I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a filmographer. I'm not a promoter or whatever. But, you know, I have book shows. I have made flyers. I've had film for bands. I've had edited music videos and stuff. So uh, not that it's in the near future, but I'm trying to maybe get better at that. So when my, my body, my old decrepit body doesn't keep up. I'll at least still be able to to enjoy myself at shows. Because even when I was wrestling and stuff, I didn't do music for like a year, maybe like a year or two. You get that itch, man. You know, it's like your friend going to the tattoo shop and he asks you to go sit with him. You're like, this is tight, but I'd rather do it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, plus a lot of cats my age, dude, like, and I ain't ancient, but, you know, in a 15 wow. year. <laughs> well, honestly, it's crazy, too, because... The first show I did, like when I was with Forgotten Victory, that was like 2004. So come next year, you know, it'll be, you know, my 20 year anniversary of doing this. Uh, So I've never committed to anything this long. You know what I'm saying? So like there's definitely something that keeps bringing me back. But, you know, there's a lot of cats that that I did it growing up with and not a lot of them do it anymore. Like we... uh. There's a guy, Kevin, that plays in, in Burned Out. He fills in for Bay Street sometimes. And he's from my neighborhood. And we were doing shows together 17, 18 years ago, like when we were in high school and stuff. And we weren't like super tight, but we were always around. We had mutual friends. We shared bills. And uh, now he plays with Bay Street. He has his own band, Burned Out. And we've played a couple shows with them. And we have those moments, at least one per show, where we're outside chilling and his fucking like 15 year old son comes to shows and shit. You know what I mean? And it's one of those trip mind fucks where it's like, damn, we were 15 when like we met and now we're in our thirties and your son's 15 and he's throwing down in the pit and shit. And it's pretty fucking cool. But you know, Kevin's one of like five people out of like a thousand that I've ever met that never gave up on it or never quit or never. And it could be for various reasons. I got super talented homies that don't, do it no more and it could stem from like a bad breakup with a band or it could stem from like shit studio sessions that made them hate music and stuff like that where they still got the talent and they still got the hardware and they'll still do shit but they're not out playing shows and they're not out you know doing it like you know and of course to each their own not that you got to do shows and travel and stuff to like be a music guy but you know, at the age I'm at now, we always laugh. Like when we get to a certain point, we're either going to be not playing or we're going to be up at the fucking local Tiki doing Jimmy Buffett covers. And that's not what I want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd rather retire. And there's nothing wrong. Like I said, I got homies that'll play bars, play for four hours, play Skinner cuts, play fucking top 40 hits, make like 
a thousand bucks a night for four hours of playing covers. And meanwhile, we're driving three, four hours to go play for a room full of people. We might make enough for Whataburger. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a bad thing. It's just different avenues, you know? So <laughs> to answer your original question, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just want to be here and I just want to yeah, be yeah. able to do, you know, it's respectable. Yeah. Cause you know, you can't stop time. So once right I'm on not there. really, uh, qualified for much other things <laughs> well, uh, you know <clears throat> well uh, you know thanks for your uh, hanging out with me and your time it's it's really good to I, I love talking to you it's it's uh it's pretty cool to have like you know there's all sorts of people you meet doing this thing that we do playing uh music and places never been to been before and it's uh, it's, it's awesome uh, i'm really glad i got to meet you no, same that, brother. That fateful night in that town that's way too far away. Too so. sweet. And I, I apologize if my well, you got to listen to. Think about this. I was in a car with three other dopes for a long fucking drive up to Greenville because Greenville is farther away than fucking anything else. <laughs> and then I get out of the car and I got some other fucker trying to like two sweet me. So it's like, me, bro. it's like, God damn dude. Like I can't get away from this fucking shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, but, uh, oh, no. I don't hate it now. You saw the long hair and you were like, uh Oh, is he a, is he a fellow booger eater too? And then the fucking <laughs> horns came up and you were like, Oh no. <laughs> Same man. Cause I, like I told you when we was on that tour, dude, it was, it's cool to play places you're not from and places you've never been just to get an unbiased review. And, uh, everybody fucked with us on that tour and we sold a lot of merch and, uh, we met homies and we've actually reconnected since then back in Florida. So, you know, I see it being one of those. If I'm there, you know, I'm calling. And if you're down here, you know, I'm coming out right on. So uh, where can people find the Jade Koth stuff, the Bozo stuff? There's a Bozo tour coming up. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, yes. you want to talk about some of that stuff and where people can stay updated with it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me shit. Let me cue up them dates, too, so I could hit this fluently. But everything, Jade Koth is like the hub for basically what, a lot of what I do. You go to jadekoth.com. You go to Jade Koth on Instagram, Jade Koth on Facebook, Jade Koth on fucking Twitter, J-A-D-E-K-O-T-H. Um, but that has all the other stuff I'm working on. I have a chiptune project. Uh, I, I got the chill tapes thing I do at YG. Uh, of course, Bozo. So if you go to Jade Koth on anything, I think if you go to jadekoth.com, it actually takes you to the Bozo website. So, <laughs> oh, okay. so if you go to Jade Koth or Bozo FL, B-O-Z-O-F-L, that's for all your Bozo info. Um, we actually, like you said, have a tour coming up where we're doing like a nice loop. We're going from here, Tennessee, to Irvington, Kentucky, to Albany, New York, to Long Island, New York, to Yorktown, Virginia, to somewhere in South Carolina. And then I think we're ending the tour in Gainesville. And these dates go from November 1st to November 12th. So definitely go to Bozo FL for that information. A little more, you know, coherent information than what I just gave you. Honestly, shout out to those guys. Just Bozo. Because they're going to hear this and be like, how come he didn't talk about us more? <laughs> so shout out to Vincent Sassio and Kyle Hoff. Yeah, me boys. The boy, yeah. the boy in the Olympian. Yes. To my boy and my bronze medal <laughs> swimming 
Russian Olympic friend, Vincent. Well, Vincent Sassio isn't really a Russian name. Well, he, he you know, he may not be Russian, but he yeah. gives off a very Russian, uh, yeah, you know, dude. I must break you type yeah, of Yeah, he could be Ukrainian, yeah, yeah. could be Serbian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. Eastern you know, European. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's all that facial hair he grows. Oh, yeah, yeah. That motherfucker is smooth as fuck. Dude, dude. I'm a little envious of it, dude. We went on tour for two weeks, and this motherfucker came back with, like, the Johnny Depp. He had, like, the little mustache (laughs) with the goatee. I'm like, Dan, that looks cool, dog. He shaved it the next day. Uh, Thank you again, man. I really appreciate hanging out. I love hearing your stories, and uh, hopefully we can uh, connect again soon and real life yeah yeah if you guys ever want bozo to come holler i write uh winley mania to the p.o box weekly (laughs) and i've never gotten a response yet but yeah dude if you ever need uh slots filled let us know dude it'd be an honor to come back just being on this show now i'm like wow the coffee and wrestling guys are gonna be jealous (laughs) right on man well thanks appreciate you andrew All right, so thank you again to Jade Koth for hanging out. He's a very lovely man, and you must follow Bozo and Jade to keep up with all the stuff that's going to be going on, including a new album and the tour approaching with Bay Street. And to both of those bands, uh, good luck, guys, and have a lot of fun. And now let's get to uh, some uh, stuff that's going on here in Myrtle Beach, baby. That's right. If you like shows, you like shows that go on in Myrtle Beach, there's a lot of shows that go on in Myrtle Beach, but there's nothing like a Myrtle Beach show, baby. You have to follow at Myrtle Beach shows to keep up with these shows that go on in Myrtle Beach. There's a few on this flyer. So let's uh, let's get going on these. Let's see. November 18th at Fresh Brood, Savant, Christian Gill, Bisky Christ, Bubba, Graham, Frank the Frog. Hell yeah, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. The next day, November 19th at the Next Level Fitness Gym. It's a benefit show. There's t- currently tickets available. Uh, the $10 in advance, uh, $15 at the door. It's going to be a like a toy drive thing. I need to get more information about it so I can have... So I can be as transparent as possible about what's going on. But it's a nice little benefit show with uh, uh, Restless Spirit, Hymns of Blasphemy, and Bathsheba and another band, please, God damn it, let's get an updated, <laughs> I need an updated flyer too, baby. All right, and then uh, November 26th at Arcadia Studios, uh, Rat Poison, Intimidator, Quiet, Warning Order, and Dead Friends. And uh, uh, there's something going on at Fresh Brew December 16th. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just, that's, that's just, we just been talking about it the past few weeks. So I don't <laughs> just keep an eye out on that, I guess. And then of course, follow at Windley underscore band to keep up with what's going on. Of course, uh, we were talking about it this past week, but you can pre-save the new song that's coming out. Uno Mas. Um, there's going to be, there's the links in the description of the show or the Instagram. It's all over the place. You could pre-save it. I, I'll be real. I don't know what that does, but people in bands like it when you pre-save. So go do that. (laughs) Um, that, that song is going to be out November 3rd and there's more tunes coming and, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun Fun way to start off the uh, the 2024. So, 
I think that's it from me right now. So hopefully you enjoyed that and, you know, take care, be safe, uh, and bye-bye. <laughs>